I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, here as usual with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson, who always warns us about different scams that are happening in Santa Barbara. And if they're happening in Santa Barbara, you're pretty much guaranteed they're happening all over. And Vicki, you brought a guest today. Would you introduce her? Absolutely. So Doris called my fraud hotline. That's how I got to know Doris and her story. And she described a scam that we have talked about before. I've called it a tech support scam, but this one had some very interesting twists and turns to it. So I asked her if she'd be willing to come on the show and tell us what happened. Thankfully, she agreed to do that. So welcome, Doris. Doris, I understand that this started with a phone call. So why don't you tell us what happened? I was working on my computer and I received a phone call from someone named Holly, Cox technician. So I answered the phone because I'd been having trouble with my internet. And this was a technician who said she was working in the field and they had been doing a lot of work in our neighborhood and needed to check in with people to see if their internet service had improved any. And I told her, no, mine had not. I had all these problems. And she said, well, let's check your computer. And so she had me do certain things on my computer that would show me diagrams and all kinds of things. And I believed that she was who she said she was. She explained that my service has been very low and that it was obvious I had problems and that I was due a refund, according to the FCC, for paying Cox money that I was not receiving the proper service for. So she transferred me to her accounting department, Cox Accounting, she said, and I talked to this man. We had a conversation about how much money I was owed, which was $499.99, but he was rounding it up to $500. And he said that he was going to put in all the information for the transfer and I could watch it on the screen. And then when he got to the point to where it was the amount of money that was to be transferred to me, he had me type 500. So I typed the 500 and I said, stop, there's an extra zero there. It says 5,000. I didn't type that. And he said, well, it's too late. I've already sent the money. And I said, but that's not right. And he said, you have to send me back $4,500. And he said, I'll show you. And he pulled up my banking account with my name and other people's, my husband's name and my mother's name on the account. And he showed me the $5,000 that was being added to my account. So Doris, let me stop you there. That's a little scary that he was able to get into your bank account based on machinations that he had you do with the computer. Absolutely. Did you have any idea that he was getting into your bank account while you were going through these things to supposedly help repair your service? No, everything that they showed me were like internet graphs and things that showed how strong and weak my signal was, that kind of thing. I There was nothing that had to do with my bank account or anything else to do with any of the rest of my computer. It was just basically how powerful the internet was. And my understanding is that there actually were problems in your area uh, yes. with computer service. This wasn't just something that the supposed technician made up. There were actually problems in your area. 
Yes, for several weeks, we've had problems in the area, cable trucks all over the place working in my neighborhood directly and then around the corner at the mall and different places that they were working, I would say for the last five weeks before this phone call came. And we had called Cox Cable several times to find out what was going on. And they would just say, there's trouble in your area and hang up. It was all mechanized. We couldn't talk to a person. And it was quite frustrating. And my neighbors, I talked to them. They were having the same kind of problems. They were taking their boxes in and you know getting everything replaced and still had the same type of service problems. Yeah. So when she said, I'm a technician working on the lines in your area, I believed her because oh, I've seen the course. trucks every day. Yes, yes. Well, they must have known that evidently. Either they've seen the trucks or they know where there's internet problems as well. That has to be part of their scam. Exactly. Because it seems so real to me. You know, I mean, we've been so frustrated. I even yeah. bought another computer because mine was just kept failing and failing on the internet level. So I bought another computer, which I was not on. It was a totally different kind of computer. They said it was an an HP and they said, oh, that computer is a good computer to work from because my other computer is now a Mac. And they said Macs are very, very hard to transfer information on. So we want to stick to your HP so we can do this quickly. And then you'll still be able to use your computer without any interruption in service. What happened after they showed you your statement, your bank statement with that money in it? They said, we want our $4,500 back and we want it now. The guy was quite frightening, his voice. And I said, well, I'll go to my bank and I'll have them send you the money back. It seemed like the right thing to do, although I was scared because I knew that they had my account. Yeah. And I pretty much thought this might be a scam at this point. But I was so worried they were going to take all of our money. I'm a retired person without a whole lot of income. So I was not too happy with that. They said, you absolutely can't go to your bank. And they threatened me and they insisted that I go to Target and buy $4,500 worth of gift cards. I had to leave my phone on the whole time while I was driving there and back. That's so so frightening. Yeah. yeah. So I went in and I asked Target, can I buy $4,500 worth of gift cards? And she told the cashier, go ahead and sell her $4,500 worth of gift cards. That's a little surprising. So nobody questioned why you were buying $4,500? No. Wow. When the scammer started making threats about cooperating or not cooperating and not going to the bank... Did they ever do anything with your screen? Did they go to a black screen at any point in time? Or did they just threaten to do that? They had my bank account information up and Mm -hmm. this $5,000 showed transferring in. And then when I look at my bank statement and it shows how much money I have in the bank, then below that are all the charges or the checks I've written and debits and things like that. That was all there and it was all my stuff in real time. Yeah. And so that really, really scared me. And then he got so mad at me because I was not cooperating that he zeroed out everything. Oh, my God. Everything went to zero. And he says, I now have control of your money. Oh, no. That's terrifying. Yeah, it was real scary. And so I just lost it and went to Target, bought the cards, went to my car, of course, my phone was on the whole time. I could not turn my phone off. Told me not to. And if I did, there would be consequences. So I left the phone on. So it was like a two hour and 10 minute phone call altogether. And so I had to take pictures of all the cards and take pictures of the receipts. I did all that and sent it to him. So they had the pictures. And then I drove home 
And when I got in the house, they told me to cut up the cards, which I did. And then they says, okay, and now we'll give you your money back. Time went by like 10, 15 minutes, nothing was happening. And finally, the guy says, well, you know, we're having a problem here trying to get your account back up. He said, it's probably going to take us an hour or so. At that point, I hung up and I took off for the bank because I felt like he probably had all of our money at that point. That's so frightening. Of course, the bank immediately stopped everything. And because in the course of our conversation, I told him I had the pictures on my phone of all the cards and the receipts. And so the bank manager called the fraud people at Target and relayed all the pictures and receipts to them. So they had everything and they looked and the girl said only $1,500 has been cashed. So I would be getting $3,000 back. Well, then my friend, who also knew what was going on, told her on my way to the bank, she called Target, and they also opened up a number, and they said all the money was gone. It had all been spent. Oh, dear. But it wasn't. Or it might have been. I don't know, because I got an email from them telling me that they're paying me back the whole 4500 Oh, the whole 4500 Oh, I'm yes. so glad. That's really great. It is. I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> oh, oh, fingers crossed. That's really great. <laughs> well, that's another reason I wanted to have Doris on today, because these stories almost never have a happy ending. And this one apparently will. If Target told you they were going to return the money, I'm sure that that's going to happen. There's a bit of culpability there because most of these stores are very familiar with these kinds of scams and scammers wanting you to go ahead and purchase gift cards. Mm -hmm. So most of these big stores where this happens, they've educated their clerks to say certain things like, well, do you know who you're sending money to? And may I ask what this is for? Now, the reason the scammers keep you online is because scammers will give you an answer to any of these questions, but still, the clerks are supposed to inquire. So I'm very surprised that the clerks at this particular store did not inquire as to what you were going to be doing with this money. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised myself. So I just have a question. When you were getting these gift cards, it sounds like at that point you had already decided it was a scam, but you were trying to cut your losses so that they didn't take all your money. Is that true? Yes. Yes. I was afraid that since they had already showed me that they zeroed out my account, that they would keep all the money we had in our account and we would lose quite a bit of money Mm -hmm. at that point. And so that's what my fear was. If they got in there and I saw all the numbers and I recognized the account and suddenly there was zeros for everything. So you felt Um, like if you cooperated, maybe they would at least be nice crooks and not take it all. Exactly. Well, you get so panicked. You can't think. You just get Mm -hmm. so scared. You can't think. Us to lose what we have would be mm -hmm. devastating. Right. It's hard to think of even trying to drive a car under that sort of emotional pressure. And you talked about a physical effect that it had on you. Can you describe that? It felt like in the days following the next day in particular, and a few days after that, like I had been physically assaulted. I've never had anything terrible happen to me in my life, so I've been very lucky. But it was almost like this inner fear. You felt shaky inside and you felt like you'd been physically hurt as well as mentally. It was just the weirdest feeling because I've known people who describe bad things that have happened to them and how all this residual stuff, almost like PTSD. So it's weird. I really don't know how I feel about it. It was just so strange. I'm better now. Glad to hear you're better, Doris. It was interesting because right after you told me your story, 
I happened upon this article and the headline is many victims struggle with mental health in scams aftermath. And it talked about the negative emotional consequences as a result of fraud, that particular crime, severe anxiety, sleep disorders, depression, and like you said, PTSD, all of those things. And what apparently is very unique to victims of fraud is that they have negative thoughts about themselves. They start thinking, I'm not smart. What's wrong with my cognitive abilities, my ability to judge others? So unlike something like a robbery, where we clearly think it's the fault of the perpetrator, which it is, we tend to put the onus on the victim. We tend to think somehow that it's the victim's fault for not catching on. And so the common reaction for fraud victims is to feel this profound shame and self-blame. And the article talked about how this does have a physical effect on the body as well. Sometimes weight loss, problems with blood pressure, sleep problems, which I can well imagine. Mm -hmm. And the article said something very interesting. It says victims of scams often try and keep the information from family members and friends because they feel so embarrassed by it and they don't want people to know. But in fact, if the victim tells somebody what happened, that actually starts the healing process. The thing that we all need to keep in mind is that this can happen to anybody, just like anybody can be robbed or anybody can get into a car accident. It is really the same thing. It is not the fault of the victim. It is the fault of the perpetrator. And these people are so sophisticated and so psychologically adept that they are like robbers. It's as if they have a mental gun to our head, the way that they manipulate us. So Doris, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And is there anything else that you'd like to share or tell us? I agree with that article. At first, I didn't want to talk about it either. But the more times I told it, the more I understood it. You know, you just have this feeling like you don't understand what the heck happened to you and why you did what you did in cooperating. You know, it just didn't seem right. And then all the things you have to do to protect yourself afterwards, changing bank accounts, changing all kinds of things. And, you know, I want to talk to real people when I make a phone call instead of an automated system. And you can't do that most of the time. We don't talk to people anymore. And so it's really hard, but it becomes a little easier to deal with what happened to you and be smart enough not to let it happen again. I really commend you on your fast action, which in your case, got you your money back. Once you realized what was happening, you took some very quick action and it all ended well. But most people, many people just get frozen and they don't know what to do and they just don't have the wherewithal to take the kind of steps that you took. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling your story. And secondly, for realizing what was going on, acting quickly and protecting yourself, even though it was difficult to do, because as you say, you have to navigate phone lines rather than talking to real people. So thank you again, Doris. I really appreciate you telling your story. Boy, we sure do. What a great warning for people. And it's so understandable when you've had spotty or not good internet service, that if somebody's reaching out to you, you'd be overjoyed to hear from them. So that's very tricky. And the fact that they obviously know which neighborhoods to target. So very, very understandable. Yes. Thank you both so very much. I appreciate your support and your help as well. Thank you for sharing your story to Warren Others. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye.
So, Patty, I actually have some good news. You do? It's actually along the lines of what this particular scam was, which started with some spoofing. And we've talked about spoofing before. That's when you look at your caller ID and the phone number looks like it's coming from a legitimate company like Apple or Google or your bank or even the sheriff's department. And this spoofing allows callers to pretend like they're from a legitimate organization that you do business with or a legitimate company, even places like the IRS. And they trick you into giving financial information or endorse this case, giving them access to certain information on the computer and scaring you into sending money. So unbeknownst to me, it's the first time I'd heard of this, there was an online spoofing service, get this, called iSpoof that offered cyber criminals spoofing services. You've got to be kidding me. No, no. I I mean, mean, they're advertising. I know. I'm pretty sure it was on the dark web, but it was a company called iSpoof, and they catered to criminals who needed, cyber criminals who needed spoofing services. So as a result of a coordinated international law enforcement effort, we are talking about Scotland Yard, the Dutch police, Europol. iSpoof has been taken down and its mastermind arrested. 145 users were arrested and victims are now being contacted. And apparently in one year, iSpoof was used to make 10 million fraudulent calls worldwide with estimated losses of $120 million. So we are so thankful that iSpoof has been taken down. Thank and the goodness. Arrested. Yeah. I guess I'm just so shocked that anybody can start a business that's so obviously fraudulent and get yes. away with it. I know. I'm glad they were shut down. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's great news. Really appreciate you sharing that one, Vicki. And could you share your fraud hotline in case anybody wants to get a hold of you to tell you their story or just to ask you a question? Absolutely. So my hotline is area code 805-568-2442. And I'll say it again, 805-568-2442. And I do welcome these phone calls. Thank you so much, Vicki. Really appreciate it. Until next week. And we want to hear more good news too. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Bye.